0: From what I know, she has no interest in leaving, and she has no reason to.
1: Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Tuesday, June 6th. Today, I'm joined by Lauren Sherman to talk about the exit of celebrity editor Edward Ennenfeld from British Vogue and the stylist Roadblock standing in his way at Condé Nast, who goes by the name of Anna Wintour. Lauren and I also look into the murky economics of being a celebrity stylist in Hollywood, an industry that's exploded in the era of big streaming. We'll discuss all that and more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. So trust me on this one. Visit sleep.me powers to get your chili pad and save up to $315 with code powers. This offer is available exclusively for powers that be listeners and only for a limited time order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free. If you don't like it with their sleep trial, visit wwwsleepsleepme slash powers because you're not just investing in better sleep. You're creating a better life happy tuesday everybody it's your boy peter it's my first day back on the powers that be after getting married and doing the whole honeymoon thing shout out to the whole puck crew especially ben landy for holding it down in my absence it's good to be back i'm joined today for my first day back by lauren sherman author of line sheet here at puck she is our expert on the world of fashion the business of fashion i want to talk to you today lauren about Edward Enninful. It was announced last week, I believe, that he is leaving British Vogue. This guy is a celebrity now. He's like friends with Oprah. If you look at his Instagram, it's just like dripping with celebs. He made a lot of positive changes at British Vogue, grew the brand. He was quote unquote promoted, according to your reporting, to a uh, what senior advisor role or something at British Vogue. Anyone with any sort of savvy about public relations know that knows that's not a promotion. Why Why is this guy leaving? I mean, like it, he seems like he's at the height of his powers over there.
0: It's so funny that people use promotion in their headlines, too. I, it's it's just handout, a, sh- a handout culture and journalism, man. I know it's in your shame. world
1: more than others, but Jesus Christ.
0: <laughs> there are two reasons. One is because he wasn't going to get that editor-in-chief of American Vogue job, or or mm-hmm. that's what people think. I think the bigger reason, to be honest, is it... Doesn't pay what it used to pay to be one of these editors-in-chiefs. And if you're an editor-in-chief of British Vogue, you can't style a campaign for Mango and get paid a ton of money, et cetera. And he is bigger than British Vogue now. He's more famous. And my guess is he wanted more freedom and he wanted to be able to do a bunch of different things. That being said, every piece of press has to do with this rivalry between him and Anna Wintour, the editor-in-chief of... American Vogue and also global chief content officer or something silly like that of all of Conde Nast. So I think it was probably a combination of those two things and and just feeling like you know, a magazine, it's difficult to have as a global impact through a magazine today. Mm-hmm. Anna Wintour mm-hmm. has managed to do it, but it's not the magazine that has the impact. It's everything she's built around mm-hmm. the magazine. So mm-hmm. My guess is that he just felt like he wasn't going to be able to achieve what he he wanted to being there, and also not make as much money.
1: So, in this new role, can Edward do what you said? Like, can he do a contract styling gig for some really cool brand or event, and but still like make some money over at Condé Nast?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the idea for people, there are a lot of people who are on contract at these magazines who are not the editors-in-chiefs. Maybe Mm -hmm. you see this a lot with the creative director of magazines. They'll have their own advertising agency, and then they'll also be the creative director of Vogue or Harper's Mm -hmm. Bazaar or whatever. And you see this sometimes with fashion directors who are top stylists. There's a woman named Julia Van Bohm who was the fashion director at in style forever but she's also Nicole Kidman's stylist. So you can do gotcha. that. It's a way to editorial gives you the gravitas. It gives you an opportunity to connect with a lot of different brands that you wouldn't get if you were just doing purely commercial stuff, but mm-hmm. I think for the editor in chief role, it used to be that a ton of perks came with that and he certainly had perks and I'm sure more mm-hmm. than anyone other than Anna Wintour in that business. Maybe not anyone, but one of the top editors at Condé Nast Global but you're not gonna get the perks that you got even 10 years ago definitely not 20 years ago and it's a big lifestyle and there's and there's also the is it a big enough platform for him at this Mm -hmm. point he just had a memoir he he's been on all these shows he was on I listened to him on fresh air like mm-hmm. Fresh Air is, I don't know how they, they decide their booking, but if you get on there, it means something. I don't know what it means, but it yeah, means Yeah, they have
1: great bookers. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I only have notional awareness of him because it's not my world as it is yours, but he just to me seems like a creator. Like he's always, he's a face in every VIP event, dinner, etc. You know, you see him pop up in TV interviews, doing stuff on YouTube, Instagram, whatever. And- yeah, that seems like a, a logical next step for the guy. He's been there for six years. I agree with you. I mean, like, lots of legacy media is, like, increasingly, like, not the greatest place to be. Um, so I think he's going to be fine. But you mentioned Anna Wintour, and that feels like the backdrop to all this. How long is she going to be <laughs> the editor of Vogue? Until she has a foot
0: in the grave? What's the deal? You know, Carl Lagerfeld was the creative director of Chanel until the day he died. So I, I don't think it's that different. I mean, look, I, I say this now and two months later, she's going to say, well, I'm done. But my feeling is she, from what I know, she has no interest in leaving and she has no reason to. And why should she, What I think what a lot of people think she's going to do is relinquish the editor-in-chief role and just keep the kind of global content head role. But why would you bother? She's such a powerful marketing tool for them. And Uh my feeling is that Conde Nast itself would sell for the right price. And she is a big selling tool. Now, are they expecting that she's going to be there for the next 25 years? No, but she is... An icon of Condesa, in the same way, Karl Lagerfeld was very important to the Chanel brand. She mm-hmm. is essential. She is the the center of the Condinas brand at this point. And so, mm-hmm. do I think that she should retire and do something else? Maybe, but not because of any other reason. That she's an interesting person, and I'd be curious to see if she did end up, you know, becoming an ambassador or doing something in tech or whatever. I I think she's a fascinating person and it would be interesting to see her use her skills in a different way. But from what I know that that's not happening, which means it's definitely going to happen in like three weeks. But but as of now, <laughs> that's not happening. I have a
1: dim memory of back in the heady days of 2016, before November of 2016, like there was a talk about Anna Wintour being like Hillary Clinton's ambassador to some country, Paris.
0: I think it was London.
1: London, yeah. okay, right but yeah that doesn't seem like it's happening anytime soon and uh, certainly not with joe biden
0: you never know you never know but yeah the basic thing is that she doesn't have to and whether or mm-hmm. not there was a lot of reporting in the british press in particular that this was primarily about the fact that she wouldn't budge and he wanted that job i mm-hmm. from what i know from both sides i don't think it was that cut and dry And it's true. If he wanted in the next year and she's not leaving then then that's that. But the other thing is him staying at Condé in some capacity. It does give an opportunity for him to come back in. All that being said, is he the right person to be the editor in chief of Vogue? Mm. I'm not sure. Not not American Vogue, British Vogue, really impactful, really influential, really interesting. I'm not sure he's the right person to be the editor-in-chief of American Vogue. And by the time there is another editor-in-chief, American Vogue might not be owned by the same people who own it right now. So, Mm So we'll see. It
1: might also be in the state of what Dylan Byers talks about when he talks about TV news. Like, you might have to be managing decline at that point. And a lot of these magazine brands already are. But after Anna Wintour, who's larger than life, it feels like taking over that job is going to require some, uh, obnoxious managerial <laughs> and a, a portfolio. Uh, so yeah, I don't know who is going to want it, but it's still a
0: premier job. And every, every generation, there's 15 names that get
1: buoyed
0: mm-hmm. about and who knows,
1: uh, Lauren, I'm gonna take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about the world of celebrity stylists. This Black industry we don't know much about and some of the uh, maybe grift, corruption that goes on. We'll be right back. Hey, Powers That Be listeners. I'm here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash powers that be, netsuite.com powers that be. That's netsuite.com slash powers that be. So start looking in the right place with LinkedIn. You can hire professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the powers that be everybody. When I was overseas in Africa, wasn't really reading much (laughs) Uh, other than the book I brought with me on my honeymoon, but Lauren published a piece called the celebrity styling cast system. And You wrote that the business of celebrity styling is completely unregulated, proliferating a culture of favor trading that results in some fairly shady business dealings. You note that the explosion of streaming in recent years has just created more work, like more volume for stylists. How has that affected the industry? Is it more like are they trying to unionize? Like are there haves and have nots?
0: What's going on? So if you are a top, top stylist and talking like top Five or 10, you mm-hmm. can do super, super well. You can get deals with the brands that keep you on retainer that can, you know, be $250,000 a year. You get paid by the studios when your A list stars go on tour to promote movies. You can make like 5 million, 10 million bucks a year and have a whole staff of people helping you, especially if you have like a ton of clients. But what has happened as the need for stylists has proliferated there are you know executive producers of tv shows who want stylists for when they walk the red carpet because you know everybody mm-hmm. has a personal brand blah 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 as that has happened the number of people who want to be stylists and who are in the styling pool has proliferated meaning there is a lot of demand but there is also a lot of supply and Netflix, Amazon, these big studios, it's not the exact same thing that's happening with the writers. It's it's a bit different, but, you know, they'll go to a stylist or a stylist agent through, usually through the wall group, which is the sort of glam representation agency mm-hmm. owned by Endeavor. They rep hairstylists, apparel stylists, nail artists, whatever, mm-hmm. anything to do with like making you look pretty. Mm-hmm. And they'll go to the wall group and they'll say, I have a thousand bucks for a look for this mid-level actress on our mid-level show. And mm-hmm. the wall group has to split the thousand bucks, goes back to its talent and says, well, I have $330 for each of you. Hmm. The issue with that is, I mean, that's not great for a manicurist or a hairstylist either, but the issue with that for An apparel stylist, wardrobe stylist, is it costs so much money to get the outfit fitted, to have it FedEx to you, to Mm -hmm. do all those things, use Ubers, blah blah blah. In the end, and a stylist sort of broke it down to me, most looks are about twelve hundred fifty bucks. So to only get paid three hundred means you're losing money. And essentially, what a lot of these stylists do is they say, "Well, I'm going to take this job." And then hopefully make up for it in in another place. And I was talking to one actually this morning because I'm working on a follow-up to this. And she said she's mostly a commercial stylist now. She's sort of backed out of celebrity. She had two celebrity clients, totally backed out. And she said it just wasn't worth it to do those because she said, I'm happy to do stuff. That is editorial and that can help me build up my book for basically free. But the pictures and the the images that come out of these of her styling some kind of random film producer are not worth it. She's not gonna put those at the center of her clipbook. So she mm-hmm. only does commercial stuff now and some editorial that doesn't pay super well, but is nice to have on her on her roster. So it's just created this thing where if you are a straight celebrity stylist even if you're pretty high up like i talked to for the story you're referring to i talked to Jill Lincoln who is a duo called Jill and Jordan they worked for Rachel Zoe who is sort of the den mother of all these stylists now there were celebrity stylists before Rachel but she really became a personal brand and she had a whole team under her and Jill and Jordan worked for her and then they went out on their own and they did Jennifer Lawrence and Kieran and Shipgun, a lot of really big people. And last year, Jill just decided to quit because it just felt like there was no way to get ahead of it. And you're seeing a lot of stylists like Jean Yang's similar thing. She still styles quite a bit, but she's gotten into producing. It's just harder and harder to make a living at it because there are so many of these young actors or working actors, they don't really have money to pay out of pocket, but the studios won't pay more. And so they'll just say, well, I just want the cheapest person possible. And it's mm-hmm. less, There, there isn't a lot of tactic in it. So yeah. And, and so there is a group in the UK, which is much more union-friendly culture, I would say, that mm-hmm. has organized and are trying to demand more of celebrities, but also in the UK, the the magazines and the publishers as well. When I was working on this, I did hear about some of the bigger celebrities wanting to organize here in LA. I don't think that will happen. It's just too small of a pool of people still. And also, it's not as clean cut because you're getting... Their revenue is coming from so many different places. Mm -hmm. So negotiating with the studios for them to get a higher rate, the studios might just be like, I mean, look, they're doing that to the writers who they really actually need. And as one one showrunner sent me something and she said, for a lot of these producers, getting them to spend money on this stuff is just, it's really hard. They just don't value it in any way because they mm-hmm. just see it as being superfluous. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, a, it's an interesting thread to follow, though, because there is a ton of money in it and the actors need the fashion brands more than ever to supplant their own income. It's just very complicated. And there will always be someone who wants to get in and it'll say, yeah, I'll work for free.
1: That's exactly right. I mean, like, and I, you know, with my Snapchat show, like, yeah, I work with like hair and makeup folks, but also just production staff and a lot of like young freelancers too, who like just want to get in the game. And so they might like take a lower rate, but you mentioned the writer's strike. Has the slowdown of of production on whichever shows, some live, some scripted, has that affected the amount of work for stylists at the moment or not really?
0: My guess is no. I think Mm -hmm. it depends on how often the actors are sitting out of promotional stuff. So probably not that often. If you looked at the premiere, I was looking at the premiere of that new Nicole Hall of Center movie with Julia Louis-Dreyfus. And she was there, her whole team was there. And they, the reason I brought that movie up in particular is because mm-hmm. they were talking about the actors potentially striking at the mm-hmm. on the red carpet. They were discussing that. But yeah, so the thing is the people who are the bread and butter of this are the talent. And so they're still working, which means that the stylists are still working for now. Now, if the actors go on strike, then yeah, that's going to be an issue for them.
1: Well, on the topic of stylists, I will finish this way. Shout out to Andrew Weitz and David Pallets. I, Lauren, hired a stylist to help make suits for my brother and I for my wedding, and they crushed it.
0: Andrew's really famous. That's so cool that you scored him.
1: So I got him through Bellany because I wanted to get a nice suit made for my wedding, like a bespoke, fancy suit. And I was like, I live in LA. Everyone wears t-shirts. Who can, who, who who can help me do this? And and Bellany connected me with Andrew who um, works with him or used to work with him at the Hollywood Reporter. And yeah, he styled Tom Brady, but for some reason he took me and Michael Hamby on, but we look great. Thanks, Andrew. And thank you, Lauren. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the powers that be. As a reminder, the powers that be is the official podcast of puck we'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Ben Landy. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Odyssey. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, Bob Tabador, and Ben Landy, Executive Editor at Puck.